The fools have come to see Spider-Man, but they'll get a far different kind of show instead. Hello, hello, hello. This is me and my friend Pete, the podcast that explores all things THE Amazing Spider-Man. I'm your host, the mighty monologuing motormouth, Gerald. If this is your first time with us, welcome. If it isn't, welcome, 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 welcome back. This week, we're running through THE Amazing Spider-Man number 16. If you haven't already, please consider becoming a patron over at patreon.com hspp and the Key Keeper or High Council tiers, where you gain access every week to a bonus episode of me and my friend Pete covering a comic book pulled from High Society's extensive vault chosen by you, the listeners. This week, we're covering Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man number one. So get your time machines ready because not only do you get more Spidey than you can shake a web line at, but also the walking stars and stripes, a new one-shot villain, and a certain redhead who... wouldn't do any Spidey stories in the bonus episode. I also said you gotta give the people what they want, and the High Council has spoken. But just go get the DeLorean fuel like I asked. That's later. Right now, shout out to the Right Minders, the Big Three, the Key Keepers, and the High Council. To you as always, I say I see you and I thank you for your support. And to you all, I say, question? You ever seen a daring young man on a flying trapeze? A devil? Three kings? No? Then you know what that means. We're about to find out. We've got more alliteration than a Raven Edgar quoted. We've got a webhead versus three kings regicide and showboating. We've got a master hypnotist bringing a crowd to its knees. And if that's not a circus, we've got a daring young devil on the flying trapeze. And we've got me. We've got you. We've got... No further ado, we've got THE Amazing Spider-Man number 16, Duel with Daredevil. P.T. Barnum, meet your heart out. Me and my best friend Pete, old adventures, new critiques. He spins webs, I spin yarns, kinda kooky, be forewarned. Look out, it's me and my friend Pete. We usually pop a spotlight here on me and my friend Pete for the heroes and villains who have their own titles or first appeared elsewhere. In this episode, we're not going to do that because one, we've actually already popped the spotlight on the man without fear in bonus episode five of me and my friend Pete, lawyered when we covered Daredevil volume four, number one, a great tale that sees Daredevil take on Spot, French kiss a bride-to-be during her wedding, and deny that he's Daredevil to a world that flat out refuses to believe it. You can hear that episode by signing up to the Key Keeper or High Council tier over at patreon.com hspp. For the ringmaster and his circus of crime, his first appearance was Incredible Hulk number 3, September of 1962, and much of that story is a lot like this story we're going to do now, so I won't get into it. Suffice to say, the ringmaster, the hat that he wears, it's a hypnotizing device, and he uses that to move from town to town, hypnotizing the crowds that come to see him. His circus then robs the people while they're under hypnosis. He wipes their brain with a hypnotized suggestion, telling everyone in the crowd who was hypnotized he was never there. And they get out of town, and nobody's ever the wiser. A highlight from that issue, the Hope punches an elephant to death. That's probably why there are no animals in this Spidey comic. With all that said, let's get into it. The credits on this one, we've got writing, Stan, master of the spoken word, Lee. Illustrating, Steve, 
Dean of Dramatic Drawings Ditko, with letters by Sam Sultan of Sparkling Spelling Rosen. And the cover on this one takes us to the circus. We get the Amazing Spider-Man and Spidey New Roman and Spider-Man Red with Spider-Man Blue shadowing his name on top of the stylized webbing as usual. This is sitting on white negative space. At the center of the page, we've got two of the most agile heroes to ever lace up boots and fight crime, squaring off. You'll know one of my many nicknames for the Spider-Man is the daring young man on the flying trapeze and stretch the ease because it's easy. But in this one, I say I'm gonna flat out give it to Old Hornhead because he is swinging onto the scene. The scene? The circus. And Daredevil dressed in his classic canary yellow and black costume, that's a black leotard over a yellow full body catsuit with a large red D on his chest and a red belt. He has a strap wrapping his left thigh where his billy club goes when he's not using it and his gloves and boots are shaded burgundy. The yellow catsuit covers his entire face except his nose and mouth so he can take advantage of his privilege I'm sure, and he's got two small horn nubs poking from the top of his cow. Both his eyes are black shadows inside the yellow of his mask. When I said Spidey had to hand over the title, I meant it. First, Daring. The guy's name is Daredevil. It's in the name. Next, Daredevil, his left hand gripping his billy club cane, is swooping towards Spidey with the hook of his billy club attached to a trapeze. So he's speeding towards Spidey, who's never scared. He's in the air to meet old Hornhead, his body slightly contorted, left leg kicking out to the side, right leg bent at the knee behind him, both arms outstretched to grab up the man without fear. Above Spidey, we get a ticker tape caption box. Spidey battles Daredevil. While they're battling high above the cream-colored floor of the circus, next to Spidey, stage left, is a purple arrow caption box pointing towards the ground. Featuring the eerie menace of the Ringmaster. On the ground standing in a white negative space, we see the Ringmaster. And y'all know I love a supervillain costume where the villain commits and Ringmaster is not disappointing. He's got on a royal purple top hat with a pink Archimedes spiral. That's the hypnosis circle and the center of the cap near the brim. The man is wearing an emerald green tailcoat, that penguin suit coat, you know the one. And it's covered in large purple stars with lime green trim on the collar. He's wearing a white button up with a large collar under that. A broad purple tie, a lime green vest, purple suede pants, and green three-quarter length boots covered in more purple stars. Behind him is a thin gray column. I'm guessing that's where the trapeze is coming from. And on the floor in front of him, also gray, is a circus ball and a circus stand, making me hope we see the elephant the Hulk punched in the stomach back in The Incredible Hulk number three. Beneath the two heroes, we have a green caption box. Warning, if you don't say this is one of the greatest issues you've ever read, we may never talk to you again. And I mean, I don't want to be excommunicated, so there's only one way to find out. Let's get into it. Page one opens with a splash. We get the sign of the spider with Spider-Man written along its top border, as usual, next to the title of this issue. Duel with Daredevil. In a bubblegum pink. Beneath this in a caption box styled like an old circus poster tacked to the white negative space behind it, we get the words, also featuring the unique villainy of the Ringmaster and his circus of crime. Ringmaster is written in that old Barnum and Bailey style and you love to see it. Beneath this banner, we get Spidey front and center and upside down, his right hand wide, his left fist clenched as he backflips into a handstand. <laughs> and all around Spidey, chaos. Flying towards him from the upper left and right of the page, their legs hooked on their trapeze bars, Two daring young men holding a net between them are speeding towards the webhead wearing matching blue costumes. They are the only calm in this image. Spidey is surrounded by no less than six different carnies and they're all grimacing in pain. There's a bold strong man with point shoes directly to stage right of Spidey wearing mad gold. 
Wrist shining, biceps shining, left ear shining with one gold hoop earring. He's got a belt that wraps his waist and shoulder like he's Andre the Giant. He's on one foot falling backwards, his chin facing north. The last position you want to be in in a fight. Stage left, a dude with a purple snake charmer's outfit and yellow turban. His back to us is off his feet, his right hand out like he's just slipped and he's going to hit that floor hard. There are three clowns, one stage left, his head pointed south and feet kicked out in front of the snake charmer. His day isn't going to end well. Another clown in green with a pink nose behind the strong man, he's grimacing in pain. There's a clown already splayed out in the center of all this, his yellow gloved hands on his head and his eyes shut like this is a bad dream he can't wake from. And lastly, a guy who looks like a janitor. Shout out to the janitors, but this guy doesn't stand a chance. He's got both hands up and his head back like he's praising the Lord, but the only book he's been reading is the playbook of the Golden Liability, and he's been found wanting. There's another elephant ball, pink with a star on it, and an elephant stand. This time it's yellow and it promises us action, thrills, and suspense. We turn the page. A teenager's life is filled with ups and downs. This is one of the down periods for young Peter Parker as his well-meaning aunt talks on and on and on. Peter and Aunt May are in the den of their house. May is standing wearing her purple full-length dress with a perfect white bun as always. So, Queen May today, and she's talking to Pete who's wearing his standard goldenrod vest with a striped white button up beneath it. Pete's hair in that Widow's Peak style is extra peaky in this one, and Pete's extra cheeky. May's asking him why he won't call that Watson girl, and she name drops the Watson girl's full government for the first time. Ladies, gents, all points in between, all points above and below. This Watson girl, her name is... Mary Jane. But Pete could care less. He says he's already got a girlfriend, of course referring to the damsel, never in distress, Betty Brand. May walks over to him between panels and placing a hand on his shoulder, tells Pete that MJ is who? Mary Jane. I thought we agreed we'd call her full name until she shows up. No, you agreed, but I'm you. Fine, fine, back to. May tells Pete that she and Mrs. Watson are great friends and that Mary Jane would love to meet him. She goes on to say, quote, and you're not really engaged or anything. And she's right, but Pete's in love. He's already been out on Broad Street with his feelings on front with Betty. He's not stepping out. He says, gosh, Aunt May, I'm old enough to arrange my own dates. Honest. Thinking to himself that he's not gonna be able to get any studying done with May in his ear, he grabs his SJB blazer, throws it onto his shoulders, and tells May he's going out to get some fresh air. And May has a look on her face like this kid doesn't even know I'm trying to change his whole life up. She tells him to dress warm because there's a nip in the air. Next panel, Spidey is suited and booted, web swinging high above the city. The caption box tells us he's not feeling the nip at all. Pete's blood runs hot. He's not stressed about the weather. He says, good on Aunt May. She means well. Bless her. But sometimes I think I'll pop my cork if I can't get away from her nagging. He stops on a sheer wall in the next panel as his Spidey sense activates and he stares down at the street below, excited that the evening won't be a waste. Of course it's the Berber gang, and of course they just hit a store for its money bags and are trying to duck out through the alley. Jesse Pink is in the lead. He's all burned hair today in a green jacket and brown slacks, followed by Sneaky Pete, who's wearing a lavender fedora and a burgundy suit. In his right hand, he's carrying a yellow money bag. Behind him, we get Badger, of course. He's wearing an SJB newsy cap, an olive green jacket, and SJB pants. He's gripping a yellow money bag as well. And finally, Nail's wearing an orange fedora and a full-on lavender suit. They race down the alleyway with Jesse screaming for them to step on it because the alarm had just gone off and the cops would be there any moment. They book it into the final panel where we see a red-haired man dressed in a solid black suit and goldenrod tie. 
He's got a white pocket square in his breast pocket, and he's wearing dark glasses. In his right hand is his white cane, and he's tapping it on the ground in front of him. And Jesse has clearly had enough of central bookings, because as soon as he sees the dapper man, he screams, Look, a blind man. He might have heard our voices. We can't leave him here to identify us later. Lucky for the guy, Spidey's been watching off panel. Uh-oh, that innocent bystander is in for trouble. But not for long. Spidey descends upside down on a web line to open page three, saying if the Burbas don't want witnesses, they better get rid of him because his baby blue saw the whole thing. And what are you doing, Spidey? You might as well just take the mask off if you're just going to tell everyone your eye color, boyo. Jesse Pink, standing behind the dapper red-haired man, raises a hand like, no, we've done this too many times, and screams, let's get out of here. Spidey knocks Badger out right away to open the next panel, screaming that his get acquainted with Spider-Man week at Jesse Pink, Sneaky Pete, and Nails race towards us, terrorized. You know if we got the Burba gang, we've got somebody commenting on the fact that Spidey's only one man. Jesse says to keep running because he can't catch them all. Sneaky shouts, yeah, he's only one guy. And Nails doesn't say a word. He knows they're already screwed. They said Spidey can't catch him, but Spidey goes Ash catch him right away in the next panel. Exactly two seconds later, that one guy attacks like a task force. The golden liability, the one-man task force. On a yellow strip of sidewalk, Spidey gets A-O-B-E. He flips into the panel from stage huh. right on a right-handed handstand and cracks Nails across the jaw, sending the man's hat flying. Landing on his right foot, Spidey punches Jesse Pink in the temple. But before his feet get settled, he's in another backflip, sending Nails reeling with a punch that would have been an uppercut if he wasn't upside down. Let's dub that the up and under, because I'm sure we'll see it again. True to his word, the amazing Spider-Man has his four ex-sparring partners all nicely gift-wrapped and ready for delivery to the police exactly 60 seconds later. Spidey webs the Burbas up in the next panel, asking the red-haired man if he needs any help in getting where he's going. But the man, clutching his cane to his chest, replies, No thanks, I can manage. But I'm much obliged to you, Mr. Uh, Spider-Man, is it? Spidey leaps onto a nearby sheer wall, saying, That's the name, pal. He tells the redhead not to thank him, but judging the man's clothes, says to make sure Spidey's remembered in the will. He tells the guy to be careful in these lonely neighborhoods after dark. The guy replies, To someone like me, night and day are the same, but thanks anyway. Page four opens with Red being impressed. Running his middle and pointer finger of his right hand over the gold watch on his left wrist and smiling, he says, So that was Spider-Man. Hmm. I'd say he's about 17, 5 foot 10 inches, and judging by the sound of his pulse and heartbeats, in excellent health. It's a great panel, adding the detail of him touching his watch to tell the time. That is how watches for the blind work, and they're not cheap. But if the suit didn't tell you he was paid, the watch just did. In the next panel, standing in an alley with the camera zoomed out, Red says Spidey would be amazed if he found out that he can see just as well as Spider-Man does using every sense but his eyes, before unbuttoning his shirt and pulling it wide to show a large red D on his chest. Daredevil is getting suited and booted! He says he was looking forward to catching the crooks himself, but he didn't want to change while Spidey could see him. We had a great shot of the man without fear in the goldenrod black and red uniform next, as he says the muggers have made him late. He doesn't want Karen, his love interest in Girl Friday, and Foggy, his best friend and law partner, to worry. So he's going to get back to the office faster as Daredevil. He leaps into the next panel, his cane extending out in front of him in his right hand to hook a hanging sign, and monologues giving the game away. My built-in radar sense enables me to detect objects all around me, and my sense of hearing, touch, taste, and smell magnify dozens of times more than normal for my infallible eyes. 
I'm starting to think Stan's got a thing for 12 because every time he gives an estimate for numbers, it's always by the dozen. The next panel, we see the man whose agility is most definitely on second best ever, get gymnasticky. He switched his cane hand between panels and hooked it on the bottom of a ledge, propelling his body upwards and grabbing a wire hanging above him with his left. He says he can hear the shapes of objects by the way air passes around them. He lands on a roof, saying he actually has an advantage over normal sighted people, and he's not wrong. His abilities give him a 360 degree field of vision. The man is a walking sonar unto himself. Minutes later, Daredevil enters his office through a back door and again becomes Matthew Murdock, attorney at law. And Matt stopped monologuing, knowing he'd be giving the game away if he continues now. He changes back into his stylish black suit and adjusting his tie in the office kitchen, thinks he can hear Karen and Foggy's breathing through the wall. Matt steps into the office and onto page five where Karen and Foggy are working. Foxy's got brown wavy hair and he's wearing a green suit with square cufflinks and a red tie. Karen has on a red blouse, pearl earrings, and necklace, and blonde hair up in a curly beehive kind of hairdo. I love that coast Foggy and Karen. They're attractive people. Karen tells Matt they've been waiting for him and Foggy says, yeah, I'm taking Karen to the circus tomorrow and they wonder if Matt would like to join them. Matt says, nah, I'm busy, but you two go and have fun. Karen tells him he works so hard and needs some relaxation. Foggy says she's right that his handicap shouldn't make him a recluse and that he can't work all the time. Matt reads the papers on his desk with the tips of his fingers, but he doesn't answer, thinking, I dare not tell them the truth, that I don't trust my feelings for Karen. It's better that I don't see her socially. And Karen stands here in the foreground with her head down. So they're clearly both feeling each other, but Matt's not going to let it go any further, and I think that's a stand-up way to be. He's her boss and the power dynamic there is easy to take advantage of, but he refuses. That's a stand-up way to go about it. But now let us leave the law offices of Franklin Foggy Nelson and Matthew Murdoch and turn our attention to New York's biggest arena, the next day where we find... We are in Madison Square Garden and the ringmaster's arms are wide. There's a whip in his left hand and he's got his back to us. He's standing in a big top tent. There are banners streaming from the ceiling and people moving in all different directions. Ringmaster is driving his team. Keep rehearsing. Everything must be perfect tonight, for this will be our greatest show. Never before has such a daring crime been attempted in the heart of a big city. In front of him, we see the strong man racing by with a giant old school dumbbell. A guy with a head way too large for his body and magneto red with purple sleeves is riding a unicycle. There's a clown in yellow with a pink nose doing a backflip. A woman in orange and yellow up on giant stilts. Two daring young men are on the flying trapeze in the background. I imagine the guy with his legs curled around the cat's trap has just screamed gotcha as he grabs his partner out of the air by the wrist. So these guys may be crooks, but they're not some rank amateurs. The camera pans around and Ringmaster is rocking the Fu Manchu mustache and pearly white teeth. He says ever since the Hulk defeated him months ago, he's been planning this caper. One spectacular performance that'll outdo all of their past performances. The Ringmaster's got style flair. He looks over his shoulder in the final panel while the circus folk continue their practice and tells an approaching guy, who I can only assume is the janitor slash maintenance man, to bring him the posters because he wants to look them over. Ringmaster knows 90% of any show is the anticipation for it and he wants to make sure the anticipation is at its peak. And Ringmaster knows what gets people anticipating in New York. You wanna put butts in seats, you need a draw. In my life, Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey pulled out all the stops, especially in New York. I've been to one of their shows as a kid in the 90s at Madison Square Garden. They had lions, they had tigers, they had bears, and that's in a world with PETA. So I can imagine what it looked like in the 60s when circuses were still pretty popular. Ringmaster had one elephant and the Hulk punched that thing to death, so 
Ringmaster calls an audible. Six opens to him staring at a poster held open by the janitor, and on this poster, we get Circus in person tonight. With none other than the word Spider-Man written in red above a picture of the golden liability and a golden rod space, both arms wide. Beneath the image of Spider-Man is a pink clown in a blue party hat cheesing, and beside the clown it says all proceeds are going to charity. But this is a bait and switch to be sure. Ringmaster says by the time people realize Spidey's not showing up, it'll be too late. While his maintenance guy holding up the poster says it's a great idea because the tickets are selling like hotcakes. But the crafty ringmaster has made one small miscalculation. He didn't stop to think what might happen if Spider-Man himself should see the ad. And a crowd is already pushing and shoving to see the poster as half-man, half-amazing Pete Rock stands with his hand on his hip in the foreground thinking. Strange. That poster says that I'll be appearing tonight. Well, if the proceeds go to charity, maybe I should perform just to convince people that Spider-Man isn't so bad. So Pete's got a two for going. He's gonna help the kids, Spidey love the kids, and he's saying he wants to prove Spidey's not so bad, but I don't believe those are the only two reasons. Spidey loves performing. If you recall, he fell into the superhero game by accident. He only helped catch Chameleon because Chameleon tried to frame Spidey and make him look like a traitor to his country. He only fought the Vulture in issue two because he had just taken a freelance photographer job at the Daily Bugle and the Vulture attacked him first, so Spidey had to do what he had to do. But before that, the kid was mastering putting out candle fires with webbing and finding ways to astound crowds of hundreds, nay, thousands. So him deciding to do this, sure, charity, sure, image. But this was the life he wanted, an adoring public watching him be the amazing Spider-Man. Spiance has returned. He heads to the Daily Bugle and walks right into JJ's office and puts his right hand on the man's desk. Pete tells JJ he hopes he isn't needed tonight because he'd like to go to the circus. JJ, his back to Pete, cigar in his mouth and busy man mode, his sleeves rolled up, blue tie with horizontal stripes on his neck, slightly loose, is standing with his leg up on his chair in a Captain Morgan stance, reading a leaflet. He waves Pete away with his free left hand, saying, You can go to Timbuktu for all I care. You haven't brought me any sensational photos for days, and I don't keep you around for your personality. He takes a seat in the next panel and continues. And by the way, while you're there, don't take any pictures of Spider-Man. I'm through printing news about that phony. Maybe if I stop writing about him, that publicity hound will go to some other city. JJ is switching his tactics up completely. I call bull. Wait, what? JJ doesn't want pictures of Spidey doing pro bono work for the community because then that menace suddenly looks a whole lot more respectable and misunderstood. JJ's the biggest paper game in town. If he doesn't cover it, it doesn't matter who does, and he knows it. So no free looks for the web pet on his account and damn sure not in his paper. That's a good point. Your honor. I'll rest my case. Back to Pete, a hand in his pocket says that's fine with him. When none other than Betty Brant enters the room carrying a sheet of paper. Her auburn hair is cut in a bob with the ends curled up and she has on a full length red dress. So fiery Betty today. She asks Pete for a moment of his time. In the next panel, all smiles, both hands clutching a sheet of paper down around her chest. She's a little nervous, but she's wearing a Kool-Aid smile. She says, I just found the greatest recipe for spaghetti and I thought I'd cook some tonight. Would you and your aunt may like to come for dinner? Pete says he'd love to, but he's busy tonight. He's about to give Betty a whole lie, but when he pulls his left hand out of his pocket, the ticket he bought for the circus falls out of the pocket. Slacking, Pete. You don't even need a ticket. You're the golden liability. You could have just web swung in there. But the damage is done. A single tear falls from Betty's left eye immediately in the final panel as she turns her back on Pete with her head down. Walking out of the office, she says, I saw that, Peter. If you want to go to the circus without me, that's all right. But you could have told me, I, I don't care if you're taking some other girl. And Pete, bending down to scoop the ticket, tries to get Betty to stop. But he knows it's no use. He's thinking, heck, 
How can I explain that I can't take her because I'll be changing the Spider-Man? I feel like Betty's proved she's a rider and Peter's only making his life harder by keeping her in the dark about his double life. But I can't tell the kid how to live his life. Either way, he's SOL. On page seven, we're back in the office of Nelson and Murdoch. Foggy in the background stage right is reading the paper and he lets Matt and Karen know that Spider-Man is going to be performing at the circus. Matt may want some extra face time with the webhead because he thinks this will be interesting and says that on second thought, he will go to the circus tonight. And Karen nearly falls off her feet. She says that's wonderful. A short time later, just before the show begins. We're on the scene. The scene? The circus crowd. Foggy, Matt, and Karen are in the thick of it. And Foggy takes on his usually paternal air that he often had in the early years before finding out Matt was Daredevil. He says, we'll explain everything that happens, Matt. So you won't miss a thing. Matt says he appreciates it, but I'm sure he rolls his eyes behind his sonnies. And he thinks, even though I'll be able to sense all the developments a lot clearer than you can see them. Meanwhile, Pete Rock is in the foreground, stage left and he's staring over his shoulder at Matt. The Pete half of his face is scowling. He's wondering why his spidey sense buzzes when the man is near, and after the last couple of months, I'd be scowling too. One too many dangerous men are wandering around this city. But Spidey hasn't learned his lesson from the time he faced the Tinkerer, because as he gets suited and booted in a gorgeous next panel, he thinks that the man can't pose any sort of threat to him because he's blind. Spidey's worst power, assumption. He scales the rope outside of the purple tinted big top towards his spire on center pole, his arms out at his side, monologuing. I think I'm gonna enjoy this. I always wanted to be a circus star, and with my spider powers, I ought to be a smash sensation. Anyway, it's nice to be able to do something for charity. I love that he pushes the sensation bit to the side and brings it back to this being a good thing for charity more than for himself. Power isn't only about saving the day. You don't know how far inspiration can push a person and drive a person. Tim Drake was inspired to become Robin after seeing Batman at a circus comfort a young Dick Grayson. He saw the humanness. Not the vengeance, not the night. Just the Batman being human to another human in need. A little comfort, a little charity of emotion. You're rambling, back to. In the final panel, the ringmaster is facing us talking to a snake charmer in an entranceway as people go wild in the bleachers watching a little person and a man on stilts do their performance. The ringmaster gestures towards the performance with his left hand as the charmer, rubbing his own hands together, says the circus is filling up and they're going to be rich soon. Ringmaster calls everybody fools because they believe Spidey's coming, but they're going to get a completely different show. He says to keep the show going so no one gets suspicious. We turn the page and we're on... The Infinity, the Infinity page. Infinity page. page 8. Just in time to witness a crowd reaction shot with Matt, Karen, and Foggy in the background, enjoying the show while in front of them, everyone's whipped into a frenzy. Bring on Spider-Man. We won't. Spider-Man. One guy in a gray blazer and collar shirt with the top two buttons wide, has his hands cupped around his mouth and is closing his eyes, shouting at the top of his lungs. We want Spider-Man! He wants the webhead and Ditko has captured the moment perfectly. Foggy tells Matt to let him know if there's anything he wants described, while Matt thinks he can detect Spidey's strong pulse from where he's sitting and the kid is up above the tent. And he's right! The next panel, he thinks he should be the one describing things as Spidey gets spidery and descends center pole. Matt thinks Spidey's pulse is spiking and he's preparing for action. In the next panel, a guy in a brown blazer and an SJB colored 10 gallon hat, a panicked look on his face, wipes his forehead with a handkerchief saying he wishes the ringmaster would give the signal already. But behind him, the strong man spots a whole different signal altogether. Pointing towards the rafters, he screams, Look, up there, he did show up, it's Spider-Man! And the crowd erupts in joy, shouting, Yay, Spider-Man! In unison! They are in one voice, all together, for the amazing Spider-Man. 
Spidey, descending upside down on the web line, says, Howdy, folks. Thinking. Listen to him cheer. I guess I'm not as unpopular as I used to think. You've done a lot of good in the world, Spidey. But that was then. Right now, the return of Spiance is definitely in full effect. Matt, sitting still at his seat, his left hand on the hook of his cane, shows he's mastered his senses. Judging by the direction of air currents, Spider-Man is slowly descending from the ceiling, and he's upside down because his heartbeat is higher than the sound of his voice. Karen, staring at him with a pained look on her face, thinks it's unfortunate that he can't appreciate any of this. But Karen, like many people when dealing with quote-unquote the disabled, is automatically assuming that because a person isn't experiencing the world in the way they are, that person can't be experiencing the world fully. Your experiences do not the world make, Karen. A person who is born blind, for example, who wakes up every day and navigates their life, starts to finish having never seen through eyes, is in no way less capable than a sighted person who does the same. Sometimes they may need help, sure, but we all need a bit of help from time to time. And real help is using the privilege you have to aid a person who does not share it. It doesn't make you a good person feeling sorry for a person who doesn't need sympathy. It's actually kind of patronizing. A person is a person is a person, and there are no perfects, and what you see as anyone's flaw may in fact be their greatest strength. Stop looking at the quote-unquote norms of the world so hard, and you may actually see it. And if you do, you realize you don't even need eyes for that. Foggy is doing it right. He told Matt in panel one that if Matt wanted anything described, he can just say so. And here in panel five, Matt's not said a word and Foggy is cheesing as he takes him the greatest superhero on earth, not giving Matt a second thought. Be like Foggy, back too. In the final panel, <laughs> Spidey on a wire, barely wider than his big toe, has done four somersaults on it easily and is in the midst of a fifth as he thinks, boy, it's a pleasure to be able to do this without having some deadly enemy to worry about at the same time. There are colorful banners and orbs all around him and the shouts of the frenzied crowd racing up from the bleachers below. Yay, Spider-Man. Go, 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 Spider-Man. More, more, give us more. Attaboy, Spidey. On nine, Ditko goes wild and Spidey goes agility crazy in a beautiful long horizontal. We get a yellow arrow caption box in the upper right corner of the panel that says, start. And beneath it, Spidey coming out of his flip from the previous page huh. falls towards the earth before grabbing the handlebar of a trapeze with his right hand. Ha. He swings forward on the trapeze and leaping off of it, lands with his left leg on a tightrope. He throws oh. his left hand up, his right leg and arm out for balance, and a split second later, leaps from the tightrope towards center pole. Huh. He loops the pole horizontally once to gain speed and rockets from it towards a cable with triangle banners of different colors and grabbing that cable huh. upside down with his right hand, jumps from that and through a trapeze. Still upside down, his right leg bent, his left leg out in front of him, rocketing towards us, facing us. This whole sequence is so fraught with agility that we'd be confused if Sam wasn't going ham and providing us with numbers for our eyes to follow Spidey through his Cirque du Baragnier. Sam, Steve, working right now. And Spidey screams that this is nothing compared to what he'll do when he's warmed up. The kid isn't even warmed up yet! We get a close-up of the ringmaster with a slight smirk saying he didn't believe the webhead would really show, but that even so, Spider-Man can't stop him. Meanwhile in the bleachers, the crowd is losing it. A guy who looks like Mr. Rogers is staring up in awe. Next to him, we have a red-headed woman with a hand pressed to her cheek, her mouth wide open. She's as speechless as Rogers. Behind her stage left, a guy is Kool-Aid smiling. Next to him, a guy in an SJB fedora says, That guy's the most! With a huge smile on his face, Spidey is doing the most. A guy in a moth-colored suit is staring up saying that this is the greatest act he's ever seen. There's a guy in orange, he's thunderstruck. And finally, a guy in a green blazer, red tie, gray hair. He is having the time of his life. He is on his feet. 
both arms wide, and I imagine he's standing on the bleacher seat, just stomping his feet, as he screams that Spidey must be using mirrors to do this. His brain is so amazed, he's come up with quite possibly the dumbest explanation of all time for Spidey's agility. Just a trick of the light, baby. Just a trick of the light and mirrors. No, it's agility on best ever. The ringmaster, sensing the moment is now to launch his master plan, rushes between a clown and a strongman, screaming to his circus crew that the moment is now. They all know what to do, and he doesn't want any slip-ups. He stops beneath Spider-Man on the next panel, waving up at the wall crawler, who wonders if the ringmaster is trying to crab up his act. So Spidey wants to find out. He descends into the final panel to see what the purple top-hatted man wants when the Archimedes circle on the ringmaster's head begins to spin outward. Spidey thinks the spinning is making him dizzy as the ringmaster, raising both hands in front of Spidey, says, I am the ringmaster. My will is your will. My will is your will. And Spidey is all the way hypnotized to open page 10. And the ringmaster gets right to work. Turning to face the audience, he thinks this is his supreme moment. This is the largest crowd he's ever hypnotized, so it'll be his greatest triumph. As he repeats his phrase, My will is your will. My will is your will. Then, within split seconds, the most incredible feat of mass hallucination ever recorded takes place as the entire audience falls in a hypnotic trance. And we get headshots of multiple people, men and women, Auburns and Sandys and Brunies and Reds, all wide-eyed wearing vacant expressions. The ringmaster, his right hand above his head, his left pointing, instructs his performers to get into the stands and begin stealing people's things as a trapeze artist swoops into the crowd on the line and his snake charmer leaps onto the banister of the bleachers. The ringmaster says the trance lasts only one hour and that once it's done, the people will blame the theft on pickpockets. 99% of the crowd is under his spell, but 99 does not 100 make. But though unnoticed in that vast audience, one man is not hypnotized. One man did not see the swirling circles in the ringmaster's hat because that man is blind. Everyone around him wearing blank stares, Matt Murdock thinks, incredible, every single spectator in a deep trance before leaping into action. He hooks his cane onto the railing of the bleachers and leaps down into the corridor below. If you heard the lawyered bonus episode, you know DD is the fastest outfit swapper in the Marvel Universe. And in seconds, he's suited and booted racing forward in the sky blue negative space. He says unless he's mistaken, he's fighting the entire circus. And if that's the case, he may as well start early. Translation, it's now or never. In the final panel, he leaps an elephant stand towards the ringmaster who is baffled. He can't understand why he can't trance Daredevil. On 11, beginning to panic, ringmaster does the only thing he can, calling out to Spider-Man and reminding the webhead, my will is your will. He tells Spidey Daredevil's his mortal enemy and to attack. Spidey leaps down from his web line to stand in front of the ringmaster and staring at Daredevil, says he has to defeat the Hornhead. Ringmaster is feeling himself in the next panel. He's thinking, what a stroke of genius on my part. I've hypnotized Spider-Man to fight my battle for me, to fight the one man who might save him. As Spidey races forward all sorts of brainwashed, screaming that Daredevil's gotta go because it's the ringmaster's will. Spidey leaps at Daredevil and dodges it easily. He's locked onto Spidey's heartbeat and knew when the webhead would leap. Grabbing a trapeze, he swings toward the ringmaster in the next panel, knowing that stopping the villain is the only way to break the spell. And ringmaster, gripping his top hat so that it doesn't fall, is hauling tail through the big top. He notices Daredevil closing the space between them and screams for Spider-Man to save him. And Spidey, still on his knees after diving to grab Daredevil, tucks and rolls. Screaming that he has to save the ringmaster, he uncoils from the ball and leaps between Daredevil and the villain, forcing Daredevil to kick him in the chest. And so, the two masked adventurers begin their battle, a battle caused by the ruthless power of the ringmaster. And we got 
action. The two collide chest to chest to open page 12. Spidey thinking Daredevil's faster than he expected. Daredevil realizing that Spidey's strength is many times that of a normal man. I bet if we asked Daredevil how many times stronger, he'd say 12. Daredevil crashes to the floor, his right shoulder landing first in the next panel. It's a gorgeous panel. As Spidey lands on his right foot with his arms huh. wide, thinking he's done as instructed and saved the ringmaster. He goes stock still in the next panel, standing with his hands at his side, waiting for more orders from the ringmaster. And the ringmaster only has one. Don't stop, you fool! Daredevil isn't beaten yet! While Daredevil, crouched and getting to his feet, thinks he's lucky Spidey isn't thinking for himself. Daredevil leaps onto a trapeze pole in the next panel, thinking he has the advantage because of this, and that at the top of the trapeze, he'll have room to maneuver. While Spidey gives chase screaming that Daredevil must be defeated. Daredevil scales the trapeze pole, Spidey on his tail, and he thinks that he doesn't have vision, but Spidey's mind is fogged, so there's no advantage for either of them. Daredevil leaps from the pole straight out in the final panel, grabbing the trapeze with his right hand. It's a dynamic panel. While Spidey, still clinging to the pole, tells Daredevil he can't escape the webhead that easily. He web swings in front of Daredevil to open page 13, screaming, my spider's web can beat any trapeze. But Daredevil wasn't going for Spidey. He was swinging towards the ringmaster who keeps barking orders. He's coming towards me again. Head him off. Spidey gets between the two again and Daredevil, having to change tactics, backflips out of the way of Spidey's arms reaching for him. In front of Spidey now, Daredevil's radar lets him know he's landed next to a circus ball. He picks it up and hurls it into the next panel at the ringmaster, knocking the hypnotist's feet from under him. The ringmaster's hat flies off as he hits the ground. He screams he must get it back and reaches out for it, but Daredevil's not having it. He hurls his billy club at the hat, knocking it away from ringmaster's outstretched left hand with unerring accuracy. And Daredevil, on the move, scoops up the top hat thinking, my super sensitive hearing picked up the sound of tiny electrons vibrating within the ringmaster's hat. In some way, it is responsible for his hypnotic power. While the ringmaster's composure has evaporated, he screams at Spider-Man to get the hat at any cost. In the final panel, we're staring at Daredevil through Spidey's eyes, and Spidey is reaching for the horn head with both hands raised. Daredevil, man without fear that he is, refusing to move, raises the hat and gives Spidey a hypnosis command of his own. Halt! You are no longer under the ringmaster's spell. I release you from your trance. The camera shifts onto Spidey to open page 14, and as Daredevil's voice echoes in his head, the hypnoswirl spins, spots dance in front of his eyes. Daredevil can hear Spidey's pulse decrease, and he knows Spidey's snapping out of it. Spidey, less than an inch away from giving Daredevil his patented left cross, freezes. He says, My head, fog, mist swirling about, beginning to clear. I can think again. Once free of the hypnotic spell, the brilliant brain of the masked teenager grasped the whole situation in one split second. Spider-Man, his left hand clutching his forehead, tells Daredevil he's much obliged because he knows himself. He's the golden liability, and that's when he's on the side of the angels. He says there's no telling the harm he'd have caused under the ringmaster's spell. Daredevil humbly replies, Chalk it up to self-preservation on my part, fella. I'd rather have a gent like you with me than again me. That's what he says, again me. A-G-I-N apostrophe. I'm not just throwing things out here. Maybe Sam was trying to save on the space. It is a packed, it is a packed, packed panel. The two shake hands and Spidey says he appreciates the compliment, but he owes Daredevil a favor and a Spider-Man never forgets. Daredevil says save the hearts and flowers. I'm guessing the hearts are boxes of chocolates. So he says save that for later. Jerking his thumb over his shoulder at the fling ringmaster, the devil of hell's kitchen says he hears the villain planning to attack again. And he's right. In the final panel, a beautifully drawn panel, 
Ringmaster, his tousled hat hair finned at the back, points at the one and two heroes of all time, screaming. Don't just stand there, you useless fools. We outnumber those two masked meddlers. We're highly trained also. Let's get them, unless you want to do the rest of your act in jail. He has snapped, and his circus rises to the challenge immediately. The snake charmer jumps from the banister of the bleachers, screaming he's right. The strong man to his left screams they can still get away with their plan because the crowd is still under the sway of the ringmaster. And all of the circus folk rush forward. They didn't ask for this cherry pie, but they all want a slice. The trapeze brothers are swinging in. The janitor is rushing forward. A clown on a unicycle. I don't know what he thinks he's going to do, but he's pedaling forward. This is an all-for-one, three musketeers type of event. You mess with one of us, you mess with all of us. And the circus is coming for them. It's about to be already a circus hot rod. I was going to say a madhouse. But Daredevil's not going to wait around. He copies Spidey to open page 15 and tucking his arms and legs, goes bowling for buzzards, knocking all of the people rushing towards him off their feet like a black and yellow bowling ball. The trapeze brothers swing forward, both of them holding the ends of a giant safety net between them from opposite ends of the next panel, and they're trying to drop it on Daredevil, who grabs the edge of the net and gets swept off the floor, avoiding being trapped beneath it. The trapeze artist on stage left screams across the space between him and his brother, upset you and your crummy ideas how can we wrap him in a net when he's holding on to one end of it and i imagine his brother just constantly comes up with bad ideas that he has to follow as daredevil rises from the ground clutching the net spidey wants his piece of the action his name is on the title page after all he screams daredevil you've done your share it's my fight now come on down and daredevil using his momentum to shoot past the web the sense towards the ground replying, Okay, Spidey, they're all yours, but if you need me, just wiggle your web, fella. And Spidey king of the self-promotion, leaps up from the ground, screaming. And now, boys and girls of all ages, we present the main attraction, namely, that little old web spinner, me. In the final panel, no less than eight circus performers converge on his spot, too slow as he webs himself towards the ceiling. And these people may be gifted on tight ropes and feats of strength, they may be able to shoot themselves out of cannons, but they don't have a hands team between them. They are knocking each other out, throwing fists and arms, trying to hit the golden liability. But they gotta be quicker than that. Spidey tells them not to get over eager, that they'll all get a chance to be slapped silly by Spidey. Spidey alliteration, little known arachnopower. On page 16, Daredevil stands with a hand on his hip. His senses taking in the chaos around him. He thinks that Spider-Man needs him about as much as the Hulk needs vitamin pills. Hulk don't need no vitamin pills. Daredevil starts getting changed in the next panel, throwing his button up back on, saying he's going back to his seat. He adds that the worst part of the double identity is changing all the time. I don't know why he's upset about it. He changes in like two seconds flat. Before Taylor suited and booted once more, retaking his seat in the bleachers where the crowd is still transfixed. Meantime, in the arena below. Sidebar, I just love when it says meantime instead of meanwhile. I love how that... Meantime, I love, I love that, I don't know why. Back to, the kid with the planet's best agility is working. He's webbed his right foot to a high point we can't see and upside down with his left leg bent, throws an up and undercut with his right hand, clocking a green clad clown and a twofer with his left, dropping the janitor and the snake charmer. The strong man, back on his feet, has picked up his 500 pound dumbbell and holding it above his head by one of the end weights, an impressive feat to be sure, is racing towards the webhead 
thinking Spider-Man will be singing a different tune when the weight's wrapped around him. Spidey, his back turned, his Spidey sense ablaze, his left fist over his right shoulder having just knocked the clown in an orange sleeping cap out cold screams. For shame, Samson. Don't you know better than to try to sneak up on a citizen who's loaded with spider sense? My man is loaded with spider sense. I was raised Baptist and enjoyed reading the Bible when I was a kid, so all of this is from memory. If I get anything wrong, please let me know in the comments. Samson was a Nazarite blessed by God with amazing strength that increased in proportion to the length of his hair. If you're a fan of the Incredible Hulk, Doc Samson, the psychologist who tries to treat him, who later goes on to have powers of his own, who gets stronger as his hair grows, taken straight out of biblical lore. Back to Samson used his strength to become the champion of his people until he was betrayed by his wife, Delilah, who sold the secret of his strength to the Philistines, his enemies. It's to note that Samson told Delilah like four different ways that he could lose his power and she literally tried them all, but he still caved and gave her the real secret to his detriment. One of Delilah's servants shaved his head while he slept and Samson, his strength gone, was thrown in chains by the Philistines and had his eyes gouged out, leaving him a blinded prisoner with no strength. But any fan of Daredevil knows losing your sight doesn't mean you're helpless, and any fan of Fresh knows anything lost can be found again, except time wasted. One day, the Philistines held a great festival to celebrate their defeat of Samson in which all of the most important members of their society attended to pay homage to their god for giving them this win. They paraded Samson around laughing and making with the jokes, and Samson played exhausted. He acted if he could rest against the pillow for a moment. His wish was granted, and standing between two pillars, his hair, the source of his strength, ignored by his captors, was now a decent length. Samson closed his eyes. He prayed to his god for the strength to save his people, and God granted his wish. Samson's strength returned, and the mighty man brought the pillars down around himself and every leader of the Philistines government. The lesson? Don't be a sore winner. And if a person seems heavily invested in knowing your weaknesses, it's probably in your best interest to be disinvested in that person. Back to The strong man swings the giant weight at Spidey who spins and catches it easily in both hands, screaming. Glad to see you've been eating your Wheaties, big boy. Now just hold on to this toy for another second. If you can, before flipping the strong man over his head by the weight in the final panel. Spidey says tisk tisk and calls the man Butterfingers. Nobody could have hung on to that except Spider-Man. But I feel worse for the green clad clown covering his head with his hands as the strong man falls from the sky because that strong man is a big, big boy. And if you thought Spidey was putting on a show before, still clutching the weight in his hands to open page 17 in a beautifully drawn long horizontal, Spidey dodges kettlebells being launched at him by the trapeze artist the snake charmer and green suited clown rush forward. These guys don't quit. I respect their dedication. Spidey says they must have had a rough childhood or something because they're all so hostile. Before hurling the barbell at the clown huh. and charmer in the next panel, screaming catch and racing towards them. The charmer screams, look out. The clown screams he tossed five hundo like it was a basketball. And they both say nothing else as Spidey leaps between the two as they fight to keep the weight above the ground. Spidey lands on the bar of the weight clocks the charmer with the right, clocks the clown with the left, and leaps from the bar toward the clown on stilts, holding a net, and Spidey is screaming. Meanwhile, it's time for me to practice my high jumping. The show is quickly becoming a John Robinson. What are you talking about? It's circus lingo, you rube. Keep up. Before the clown and charmer have even hit the floor, Spidey's landed on the waist of the stilt clown, and with an uppercut, knocked that clown backwards before leaping from that clown and onto a trapeze bar. 
In the final panel, the two trapeze brothers are joined by a third, and they zoom towards Spidey on their lines in a triangle formation. One of the brothers, holding a barbell attached to a rope, shouts, We'll beat you! We're the kings of the high trapeze! Spidey on a handstand on his own trapeze, agility on best ever, replies, What? Here's when you lose your crowns! Regicide, thy name is Spidey! Barbo Swinger aims true to open page 18, shattering Spidey's trapeze bar, splitting it in two. He gloats saying Spidey's finished, but he doesn't know Spidey. Calling the guy rash and asking if the man knows what a trapeze costs, Spidey leaps from his trapeze huh. and onto the high flyer's ha. back. The guy says their weight combined will snap the trapeze, but Spidey doesn't plan on, you can say it, hanging around and webs the guy's legs to the trapeze before leaping onto the ropes of the nearest aerial king. Oh. Facing the ground, Spidey wraps his legs in the rope and webbing king number two's hands to his handlebars, gives the man an up and under, knocking him out while telling him that now, he can swing to his heart's content, whipping. Spidey repeats huh. the move in the final panel on the third king before leaping onto a high wire ha. and telling the men he has to go because he forgot his union card and doesn't want to be picketed. Spidey would never break a picket line. Working class hero, you gotta know it. Meanwhile, down below. And the ringmaster, hat head on craze, points up at Spidey saying that Spider-Man can't balance on a high wire and defend himself at the same time while a human cannonball loads himself into a cannon. He says just point him at Spidey and he'll handle it. His name is the Great Gambino and the Great Gambino never misses. The dude is dressed in an orange tunic with a silver bullet shaped helmet on his head. He is going to try to headbutt his way through Spider-Man like the bulleteer. The cannon handler aims him in Spider-Man's direction and fires. Spidey watches the man rocketing towards him and cool as a cucumber. Spins a tangle of webbing between his hands, screaming, Well, well, company, and I didn't even bake a cake, before leaping from the line and into the next panel at the same time, wrapping the great Gambino's head in webbing. Gambino screams, where'd he go? But his question is answered immediately when Spidey lands on his back, still clutching the tangle of webbing, now wrapping the great one's face. In the next panel, Spidey spins another web line with his free hand and steers the metal dunce-capped great around center pole, screaming, Okay now, sure shot. Giddy up, horsey! We're going back to the stable! Called my man a horsey! And Gambino is panicked. He screams, No, don't! You can't! I've got to land in the safety net at the other side of the arena! But Spidey won't hear of it. Racing towards Ringmaster, a couple of maintenance guys, and a purple garb, pink headed clown, Spidey still on Gambino's back shouts, Now, now! You don't want old Spidey to think you're a creature rabbit, do you? I'm gonna show you a nice new way to land! Here goes! As the clown screams, Look out! And Ringmaster shouts, RUN! The composure is gone. The Ringmaster's hair is uncontrolled. This is a beautiful panel. This is hilarious to me. Spidey is working right now. 20 opens to a stunning panel of bodies hitting the floor, my people. As Spidey leaps from Gambino's back, shouting, Happy landing, sweetie. Gambino rockets through his own team, sending the strong man, the clown, and two maintenance workers flying. The only person not hit by the attack is a green-shirted SJB pants maintenance guy who avoids it all by covering his head and hitting the deck. The Golden Liability looks down at his handiwork, asking aloud what their troop is going to do for an encore before saying there's someone still missing. He's of course talking about the Ringmaster, and the Ringmaster is of course in a dead sprint towards the exit. Spidey shouts, Now I know how you stay so slim, Ringy. You're always running. But the Ringmaster has a stroke of good fortune. He spots his top hat beside a trapeze pole in his mad dash and grabs it, screaming that he isn't beaten yet and he's going to have Spidey back under his control in no time. Putting his hat back on his head, he goes alliteration crazy. 
And now, you brash, boastful, brazen boar, now you'll pay for your taunts and insolence. Spidey looks over his shoulder at the now advancing ringmaster, saying the man makes Thor sound like a swinging teenager. In reply, the ringmaster taunts Spidey, saying, I shall treasure those caustic words, Spider-Man, for they are the last ones you'll ever utter. Of your own free will. And he saunters forward confident. 21 opens with the ringmaster wearing a maniacal grin as the Archimedes spiral spins above the brim of his hat. He says, and now repeat after me. I must obey the ringmaster. His will is my will. His will is my will. But Spidey comes up with a simple solution. He closes his eyes and his Spidey sense buzzing tells the ringmaster he blew his last shot. From off panel in the next panel, he continues. And now, if there are no further questions, we'll bring the session to a close. My way. And the look of horror on the ringmaster's face is priceless. He starts flop sweating so hard beads are jumping off of his skin as he holds his hands up trying to cop a plea. No, wait, I'll make a deal with you. Stop. But Spidey seems to have another rule in the playbook. I never deal with gents who have glass jaws. Decking the ringmaster with a left jab that sends the man reeling and catching his hypnotic hat with his right, Spidey says, whoops, mustn't lose the hat. The ringmaster hits the deck. All that alliteration in a glass jaw, how sad. And among the entire audience, only one face lights up with amused satisfaction. Only one pair of hands burst into applause. Matt Murdock is thoroughly enjoying himself from the bleachers. He is clapping hard. He screams, bravo Spider-Man. I couldn't have done much better myself. Much better, he says, meaning he could have still done better. Gotta love that Hell's Kitchen confidence. Spidey peers into the stands to see who's giving him this ruckus applause. He knows it's Daredevil, but thinks there are too many echoes for him to be able to pin down where exactly the hero is sitting. In the next panel, we see Spidey has wept up the entire criminal organization. One trapeze king under his arm, the other tossed over his shoulder. He walks into a backstage area where he's already left the pink mask clown, the snake charmer, and the maintenance guy webbed up. Spidey's thinking wherever Daredevil is, he's glad the hero enjoyed the show, but can't figure out how Daredevil resisted the hypnosis. Spidey shows bias himself. He's thinking, it all happened so suddenly that only a blind man could have been unaffected. Well, naturally that can't be the answer. Oh well, I'll dope it out someday. But that is the answer, and I'm sure Spidey's gonna feel like a real idiot when he and Daredevil become allies and eventually friends. In the final panel, Spidey says to a webbed up ringmaster that he's gonna wake the audience up that he heard about shows putting people to sleep. But this is ridiculous. While ringmaster goes full on Scooby-Doo. Blast you, Spider-Man. If not for your interference, along with that masked Daredevil, I'd have succeeded. And Spidey says, keep dreaming, champion. That's what they all say. On 22, Spidey holds up ringmaster's hat to the crowd and gets sciency. Just as I thought, the ringmaster's hypnotic power came from his hat. In some way, he managed to create an electronic energy flow which magnifies all the thoughts of the one nearest the hat and projects them outward with irresistible impact. Boy, I'm getting to sound like Reed Richards. Reed Richards, Snoop Richards, Mr. Fantastic. Big brain he has, but Spidey's got a big brain himself. Spidey holds the hat up to the crowd and breaks it out of its trance caused by the ringmaster. Within seconds, the hypnotic spell is broken and the audience awakens, thinking they have seen an exciting performance. And the crowd around Matt truly does believe they just witnessed a show that put Barnum and Bailey to shame. A guy in a brown fedora says, What a great show! A sandy-haired guy in a gray blazer chimes in, Best dang circus I ever saw! While Karen asks Matt if he enjoyed it. Matt says I managed to stay awake, while Foggy looks on smiling. They get up and head towards the exits, but Matt has vanished between panels, and both Karen and Foggy get worried, wondering if he got lost in the crowd. Please, what's a crowd gonna do to the devil of Hell's Kitchen? No. 
He didn't get lost in the crowd. He's made his way over to the webbed up ringmaster and is handing the man his card with a small smile as Tomas the police officer says, Keep it moving, June. Everybody's in this issue. Matt tells the ringmaster that if the man needs a good lawyer, he's the guy. But the ringmaster tells him to get lost. The ringmaster is salty. Matt makes his way back over to his friends through the crowd and Karen says they were so worried about him in this big crowd. And Matt says, I'm fine. I'm a grown human being and I was just trying to drum up some new business. Okay, so he only said the last part, but you get what I'm saying. We get Spidey's left leg on the rooftop in the next panel as the ringmaster and company are led into a police wagon on the street beneath them. Spidey thinks that's the last of ringmaster's crew and thinks it's too bad he didn't get to know Daredevil better. The camera shifts back to Matt and company, both Karen and Foggy staring at him. Karen says, you see, Mr. Murdoch, you can enjoy the circus just like everybody else. Foggy agrees and Matt thinks that she'll never know how right she is. In the final panel of the issue, Spidey, web swinging above the big top, says, Huh hum. Betty's probably still mad at me because I didn't take her to the circus. Almea's probably waiting to nag me some more about dating that Mary Jane chick. The most fun I had all day was fighting for my life. How about that? To close the issue, we get a caption box. Daredevil appears regularly in his own magazine, and old Spidey will be back next ish to throw you as usual. Till then, Stan and Steve and Webhead himself say, Always face front. The end. And we're out. This was essentially a Daredevil comic with Spidey guest starring in his own book, Y'all Can't Fool Me. I think that's a genius marketing play. Give your new guy some FaceTime with the highest selling book you got, and I think it may have worked. I love the little nods to Matt's blindness and how they're just there, not pointed out as if it's a hindrance, but a part of his life. Checking his watch with his fingers, reading the papers on his desk with his fingers, and how even when he's fighting crime, his senses are always highlighted. I thought it was dope that he realized Spidey was upside down because his voice was lower than his heartbeat. The little details like that that make me love comic books so much and Daredevil in particular. Anytime Daredevil and Spidey share the same space in comics, it's usually a fun time for me because their chemistry and camaraderie is pretty consistent from the start of their meeting each other and I think that's because Daredevil treats Spidey with respect without suspicion. Unlike the other heroes Spidey comes across early in his career. In fact, most of my top five heroes, Spidey, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, and Daredevil, are a pretty tight-knit group as far as superheroing goes, and I think that may be why I regard them all so highly. If you've seen No Way Home, you can imagine my excitement during that early scene in the movie. No spoilers, but if you haven't, well, I was really, really excited in an early scene in that movie. That's the main episode this week, and that's true, that's the main episode. But there is more me and my friend Pete, available for your listening pleasure, right now. If you support this show on Patreon.com, patrons get a bonus show every week where I run through comic books from all over the multiverse of comics, past and present, from Marvel to DC to all points in between. This week, it's more Spidey action as we dive into Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man number one, The Other, Evolve or Die, part one, shock. I said we wouldn't do any Spider-Man until we came to them in a straight line, but some things can't be avoided. The votes were tallied and you give the people what they want. Spidey faces off against the villain making their debut in comics, does Tai Chi with a one Steve Rogers, and gets sexy with a certain redhead from around the way. None of that in any particular order. Slow down, Tiger. You gotta be a patron. Swing on over to patreon.com HSPP and sign up to the Key Keeper or High Council tiers now to learn the beginning of a story that will lead to my heart broken and a five-year hiatus of the old webhead in publishing for me that was only restored because of the amazing Spider-Man played by Andrew Garfield. All that said, thank you so much for listening. And as always, a special thanks to the home team, the right minders, the big three, the key keepers and the high council. 
This podcast is completely listener supported and your support keeps this crazy train on the tracks. I'm truly grateful you keep coming back and more grateful you allow me to be the conductor. Please like, please comment, please share, please take care, and please think of the world and be true to yourself. And remember, with great power, know the rest. Make sure you're being responsible. I'm out of here.